This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Get gold finger today. Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Get Goldfinger today. You know what I want? Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Mo Sampson Folk here to detail for you the Raptors' latest win, a bit of a nail biter down the stretch against the New York Knicks, eventually winning 118 to 112. It's a six game win streak. They're hot on the heels of the second seed, maybe even getting there quick enough to get Nick Nurse a the coaching spot for the All-Star game. So exciting stuff ahead, but first let's get into the game. 118, 112. In the first quarter, it was a bit of a mixed bag for the Raptors as things started out. They started out fine, and the Raptors, they were doing a good job of identifying where this, the Knicks were weak. Defensively, there was a lot of relocation from Fred Van Vliet, from Kyle Lowry, a lot of switching out as the Knicks have guys like Julius Randle, who I think idealize themselves, people who can guard maybe two through you know five, one through four, something like that. And so the Knicks were happy to allow those switches early on and the Raptors fighting against that and trying to create actions that open up mismatches for guys like Pascal Siakam or Kyle Lowry who did a good job of providing offense early for the Raptors but the Knicks for what it's worth not being a very good three-point shooting team I think they make about 10 a game on average I'm not sure how many they ended up hitting this game let me check real quick they end up hitting 13 so three more than they're used to but 
the Knicks, you know, they, they were punishing the Raptors. We all know the Raptors give up a ton of threes. They give up the most corner threes in recent NBA memory. And that's because of they, they play that blitz. They play that trapping style. And sometimes they play a zone that is weak in the corners. And what we saw early on from the Raptors defensively was that trapping style. And the Knicks, you know, credit to them. They did a great job of passing around that. And even when they got to the corners, sometimes the Raptors would get there to recover. But that just meant that a pass was going to above the break. Either way, the Knicks were they were finding open three-point shooters and they were making the Raptors pay for it. That ended up leading to an 18-2 run. And so a bit of that is on the Raptors, obviously, for allowing those types of three-point shots to be available to the Knicks so often. But also to not be creating good enough offense on the other side so that the Knicks don't have to worry about getting the stop. They can get their transition going early. They can get mismatches. Julius Randle always hunting those down. If the Raptors, you know, if they're not getting any baskets on the other end, they're not having any time to set up down on the defensive end. And that what that means is that sometimes Julius Randle is going to be able to take a guy like Fred Van Vliet into the post. Sometimes there's going to be cross matches coming over from transition. Those mismatches, if they're not taken advantage of in by getting to the rim, it meant that a pass was going out to another one. Just the rotations were all out of whack for the Raptors, and they lost the first quarter because of that. They were they were down significantly so to the Knicks. In the second quarter, things got quite a bit better for the Raptors in that regard, especially offensively, but there's a bit of regression for the Knicks that they weren't shooting as well from downtown. So the Raptors, when they're playing that aggressive brand of defense, that starts paying off a little bit more. They're able to get more turnovers. The passing isn't as sharp as it once was for the Knicks in this game. They're able to drive some transition offense. That's a great thing for the Raptors. And they were, I think they identified what the Knicks were doing well enough after they are used to how the Knicks were playing in the second quarter that they... They could mix and match the zone defense with that hard-trapping man-to-man defense that we've seen. And they were able to stymie the Knicks quite a bit. And sometimes they did overhelp. Sometimes they did send two men to the ball a little bit too often. And those threes still came back around. Or the Knicks were able to work on the weak side, get a guy going to the rim. Either way, the Raptors is better for them. As, you know, that's part of their game. They play this style so that they can drive turnovers, so that they can get out in transition. And that was a that was a good payoff. They won this quarter, thirty six to twenty five. The Raptors kept it going. They broke off a thirteen zero run, one that was capped off with a Kyle Lowry three pointer that put them up forty three to forty. And the Knicks, kind of reeling at that point, did a good job of putting their nose down, trying to get towards the rim. Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson slipping in for some weak side action as well. But Kyle Lowry doing a really good job of driving the Raptors forward while that's happening. A couple defensive letdowns, but the Raptors still prevailing, coming out of the second half, up 56-53, winning that second quarter. Important developments for the rest of the game as the Raptors really started to figure out where they could exploit the Knicks. They were in a bit of an offensive funk early. They seemed to fully come out of that, and that was the most predictive thing for the Raptors going from this game. If they only score 20 points in the first quarter, you don't think they'd end up with 118. But the develop, the strides they made in the second quarter offensively, they paid off big for them down the stretch. And perhaps Serge Ibaka deserves a little bit more credit for the offensive punch that they had in the second quarter. Really doing his thing that we've seen him do over the past, I don't know, year and a half roughly, where he's... When he's been relegated to the bench, he's done a really great job of providing offensive punch against second-string centers, second-string power forwards, who can't really hang with him. 
And so we saw that happening in the second quarter. And that's just something the Raptors have come to rely on. And especially, you know, this version of the team where the Raptors, you don't have Kawhi Leonard. Pascal Siakam is a little bit streaky from time to time, even though he was fantastic in this game. But the Raptors, they have a very diverse offense, and the the number one mainstay of the past month and a half has been Kyle Lowry. So the Raptors, and Kyle Lowry, he's a 34-year-old point guard, and he's fantastic, but you don't want to put all that pressure to score on him all the time. So it's nice that they have bench options like a Norm Powell, like a Serge Ibaka, who are willing and able to come off the bench and provide such a great offensive punch. So he was big at bringing the Raptors back in in that second quarter as well. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, I suppose, deserves a shout out as well. He had a really good stint with the Raptors. He was part of that 13-0 run, and he was a big part of it because the defense he played, really doing a good job with the rotations, the Raptors. There's there's a couple guys who fit together really well, who synergize really well defensively. Rondé Hollis Jefferson has that with a lot of different players. He's really he operates really really well in that trapping scheme, and he really knows how to how to play in that zone. The Raptors are throwing a zone at the Knicks every once in a while in that second quarter. All that stuff, pretty important, but I thought that just needed to be added in as well. But the second half for the Raptors, they started out not so bad. You know, Kyle Lowry was doing a good job of driving himself into the paint, getting free throws and keeping them afloat while they were still still stuck in the mud, still trying to figure it out. But eventually the Raptors came all the way around. We started seeing Pascal Siakam pick and roll, where we see Gasol as the the pop man, well, pick and pop with Gasol as the pop man. That leads to buckets from downtown. We're seeing better actions from Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry that are getting the guys downhill, and the Raptors are able to take it really in against the Knicks inside and out. So the Raptors, they open that up for themselves. Norm also doing a great job of inserting himself into the game. They ran that same hammer play for him in this quarter, the hammer play that they usually run for one of Van Vliet or Lowry, where one of Van Vliet or Lowry comes down the right side of the court. There's a screen set in the opposite corner, usually Gasol. They throw a bowling ball-style pass or a fastball-style pass to the corner to a streaking player who's spotting up for a three. That ended up being Powell. He hit it. It was a pass from Van Vliet. It's a beautiful play. And one I love to see, but Powell also streaking in transition. I know Siakam, there was a concerted effort from Siakam to get back. And maybe they identified that early on, that the Knicks, they really like to crash the glass. That's how they survive in some games. So Siakam, it seemed early on, definitely had was making a concerted effort to to work on the defensive glass. So he wasn't up in transition as often. Norm Powell being a guard playing above the three-point line a lot of the times or near it is able to get a jump start in transition. He was the outlet guy a lot of the times and he was he was beating a lot of the 70 or sorry, the Knicks players down the court. It was great to see and he was proficient at it and whether he was drawing a foul or getting the bucket in, he was doing a fantastic job of driving that for the Raptors and they relied on him to some degree. But they did find a way to extend the lead in that quarter to build upon what they built in that second quarter and to keep working. And going into the fourth quarter, it looked like the Raptors were in a prime position to to increase the garbage time, to put the Knicks away in the first four or five minutes of the fourth so the guys like Lowry, Siakam, all those, all those types of players can get a chance to rest towards the end of the game. We've been kind of spoiled with seeing that from the Raptors, that their guys don't have to go... 36 minutes and above and even in some cases there was a three-game win streak that saw no players go over 30 minutes it was impressive stuff but the Raptors weren't able to do that at the start of the fourth 
And what we saw instead was something, you know, not something you expect to see from the Knicks, but hanging in there because of the three-point stroke and the Raptors not having a ton of success offensively at the start of the quarter, mixing in different drives from a Lowry or Van Vliet, but not often enough that they could outrun the three-point shooting of the Knicks, who pretty much were doing all their work from there at this point in the game. And so they slowly made their way back into it. And once they did get close, they just threw everybody at the rim all the time, relying on guys like Damian Dotson, Marcus Morris Sr. to try and make it rain from downtown. But having, whether it was Alfred Payton, crash the glasses, a small guy, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, whomever, they had everybody like dive at the rim, get after it. And Julius Randle, he got a putback of his own to draw it within two. Things got kind of crazy from there. They started trading things back and forth. Freddie came down the court. He had to pull up to put it to a five-point lead. It looked like there was going to be a semblance of normality after that. Or I suppose it would be normalcy. A semblance of normalcy after that. But Portis posted Van Vliet up very next time down the floor. They got caught in a cross match. Post them up. Got an end one. You're wondering, oh, what the hell's going on here? Morris drew you know, a shooting foul on on Pascal Siakam. So we're seeing the Raptors lose that lead that we thought that was going to grow. Instead, it's disappearing, and it disappeared the full way, but not so bad. It was a back and forth. Ananobi is back in the game. He's had a not such a great game to this point, but the Raptors, they have a nice pick-and-roll action. Gasol hits Ananobi on the short roll. Ananobi hits a three. Siakam cashes a triple after... Well, sorry, he, he hit two big shots down the stretch, and I'd like to highlight both of them. And Damian Dotson made two big mistakes as a defender, and so we saw Damian Dotson trying to help over hedge. You know, hedge and recover is a very common style of pick-and-roll defense, but either Marcus Morris Sr. or Damian Dotson, they were playing one half of the pick-and-roll defense because Marcus Morris Sr. was, he kept giving Pascal Siakam the edge, Damian Dotson held contain for a certain amount of time, but then ran back to his assignment. Meanwhile, Pascal Siakam has the edge. So as soon as Damian Dotson leaves, he bursts to the rim for a dunk on the one hand. And then one or two plays later, the exact same thing happened, except Pascal Siakam is roaming above the three-point line. Damian Dotson tries to hustle back to his man. Marcus Moore Sr. is going way under. He's... It's like he's not even guarding Siakam at this point. Siakam bangs a triple in. And that's, you know, we saw some free throws from Kyle Lowry down the stretch. Marcus Morris Sr. hit a big triple that brought the game within five or something like that. But to the point that it the game was at the point where it didn't matter. So the Raptors, they pull this one out. Fantastic shots from Siakam down the stretch. Fantastic game overall by Lowry. He had this team on his back for long stretches. His will to get to the rim. He ended up shooting over 10 free throws in this game. Kept the offense alive at times. And in a game where the Raptors, a guy like Ananobi, a very quiet game. He hit that big three at the end. But we're not getting the types of performances we're used to. And to be quite frank, a defense that probably should have held the Knicks to less than 112 points. I don't care what type of pace they're playing at. That's They just have to be better than that. So having letdowns in a couple areas, but still being able to you know, grid out wins, Pascal Siakam having a great closing finish after he gets selected as an all-star starter. That's awesome. That's music to my ears. It was a good finish to the game. 
a bit of hubbub down the stretch, a little bit of drama, but Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, and co. They fixed it up. They took this one home. The Reggie Evans Award, I think, can't go to anybody else except for Kyle Lowry. Lifted the Raptors for long stretches of the game. Was fantastic feeding his teammates. Was creative in the pick and roll. And honestly, outgamed the Knicks in a lot of ways. And when the Raptors were struggling offensively, his ability to manufacture points at the line was transformative and should not be overlooked. So that is our Reggie Evans Award winner. And the Mitchell Robinson Award goes to Mitchell Robinson, of course. There, Even though he didn't do anything particularly villainous tonight, the award is named after him, and it would be quite a shame if he didn't get to take it home. But the top quick reaction comment from B. Herbs says, By the way, Morris would not only start over OG, but he would be much, much more useful to a team with legitimate title aspirations. Um, I don't think he would start over OG on this Raptors team simply because of those two gaffes that Damian Dotson and Marcus Moore Sr. combined for on Pascal Siakam down the stretch. That would never happen with OG Ananobi. One, because he wouldn't get dumped on screens like that, and he wouldn't give the edge like that. And I know I was saying this was an underwhelming game from OG, but his defense and his acumen elsewhere on the floor, they're fantastic. And Marcus Morris Sr. has had an unbelievable year shooting the three. He's been incredible, and I think he deserves credit for that. But he's not nearly the defensive player that OG Ananobi is. And OG Ananobi, whether it's being, you know, it's not being seen or whether it's just something that goes unnoticed, I'm not sure. But his defensive excellence is one of the most consistent parts of this team. And I wouldn't be surprised if he has a decent finish to the year defensively if he doesn't get voted onto an all NBA defensive team. He's been fantastic. That those defensive principles are really big and are what helped the Raptors get up to the second overall defense ratings-wise, defensive rating-wise, while so many players were out. OG Ananobi is a backstop in his own way, and he's a fantastic defender to have, especially in one-on-one situations. And that looms large in the playoffs where the Raptors might not always be able to throw all these trapping schemes at teams. And also... I mean, hey, Marcus Moore Sr. is just a better shooter than OG, but I, I don't agree with him over OG, but I certainly agree that Marcus Moore Sr. would be, he would be very, very fun on a team with legitimate title aspirations. He's a gunner, and every team like that always wants a guy who can come off the bench or even start, you know, depending on the holes in their lineup, a guy like that to come hit threes, bang them in, really make teams pay for overloading the strong side, and He's a prime candidate for that. I don't know what it ends up looking like on the trade market, but maybe some teams have an eye out for him. But regardless, thank you very much for listening, whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day. Thank you very much, and goodbye. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. 
It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.